Hello and welcome from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. This podcast you're about to hear was recorded at our Burrigan campus. So sit back, relax, and enjoy what God has to say to you. Holy Spirit, come. No, Holy Spirit, you are here, evidently here, in the praises of God's people. Keep me out of your way that you might continue to do the very thing you are here to do. Reveal Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not think his equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself of no reputation. And taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, being found In appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him, Jesus, the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Be revealed as Lord in our midst, majestic Saviour. For your glory and in your matchless name, the church said, Amen. Amen. Thank you. Please be seated. And would you thank our worship team for the fantastic job again for being here in the wee small hours of the morning to prepare to lead us in worship this morning. Well, it's lovely to be back with you today, I have to say, after some amazing time with our family in the United States. That was just incredibly special. Thank you for your love and support and prayers. As you know, uh, we, brought, we brought back more than our passports. Um, and so a few days after we returned home, I tested positive for COVID, had a chat with Nick about speaking this morning. And we both enjoyed the irony that I would speak on healing if I was well enough. And uh, my lovely wife, Merle, is still at home. She's in the last stages of her uh, isolation with COVID. She tested positive a few days after me. And so to all those, including you, sweetheart, watching online at home, uh, thank you for joining us in that format. She sends her love, looks forward to being back with you as soon as possible. And it is, uh, today our topic is healing. It's part of the series, Your Kingdom Come. Incidentally, the little chair is here just because uh, energy levels can fluctuate a bit. So, uh, you know, if, if I get a wee bit weary, I'll sit down and chat. Uh, the bad news is it doesn't end any sooner. So you're still here for the duration. Okay, we're talking about healing in Your Kingdom Come. And healing has always been part of the kingdom coming. As the church has been born in place after place, there has been healing as part of that birth. Uh, You might remember back in May of 2021, John Bond was with us and he spoke on the kingdom of God is expanding as we considered church planting as as a church family. And he told the story of an outreach into Mindanao. Uh, They had spent nine months, this little outreach team, they were going into an unreached people group, taking the church, taking Jesus' message for the first time. They'd spent nine months of preparation with outreach meetings and helping with language and school and supplies and then came the time for them to go thanks guys 
want to tell you the story about this young man. Um, his name is Roper Salada. A great image here of a little boy. I was privileged to take that photograph in this isolated village in the middle of Mindanao just three years ago. That little fellow is about 14 months old. When he was eight weeks old, Roper, along with a team of church planters, had gone to the Numayan people in the central highlands of Mindanao in the Philippines to an un this unreached group of people. But as they got to the outskirts of the village, there was crying. There were people uh, just in absolute distress. And when Roper got there, the chief of the village had this little boy as a baby of eight months in his arms. He was blue. He had stopped breathing. He had passed away. He was the heir. The chief had had seven daughters. This was his eldest daughter's first child, a boy who would become ultimately the chief in the traditions of their people, the chief of that village, and he had died. Roper said he was numb when he took that little boy out of the chief's arms and he just said to the team around him, pray and let's worship. And for the next 30 minutes to an hour, that is what they did. And Roper, as he cuddled this little boy, lifeless in his arms, saw over the next hour the baby's colour change. He then coughed, breathed and came back to life again. Two days later, 92 people in that village were baptised into Christ. A new church was born. So that's one side of this whole wonderful topic of healing. But there's another. Well, there are several sides, aren't there? I remember standing at the boot of a car uh, with a friend, lifelong friend. This couple have been of, of uh, Mel's and mine. And my friend said to me, I've just had to buy an electric wheelchair that one of their children had been diagnosed with a very rare degenerative disease. That child lived into young adulthood, but the journey was marked without significant healing. There was pain, there was challenge. And they, at one stage, were one of the parents was so hurt and painful and, and, and so frustrated at what wasn't apparently happening that they took all the books on healing out of their library, which they'd read and studied and, and endeavoured to follow. They followed Jesus to the very end of their child's life. One of them is with that child, with the Lord now. The other's still here, still following Jesus. When Catherine Marshall was bedridden for years, she became desperate to know, how can I pray so God can heal me? Medical science cannot. And so she thought, I will study all the miracles of Jesus and find out what the pattern is, and then I can follow that pattern. And she discovered there is absolutely no pattern. There is no formula that Jesus followed. I, my, one that always makes me smile. I think the person in the New Testament who most epitomizes this is the blind man where Jesus put mud in his eyes. These in John chapter 9. Whatever that blind man was expecting Jesus might do, I'm sure he was not expecting. <laughs> Spit was not on his list of what the Lord might do. 
There's another man who's in our reading today, also in John's Gospel. You find him in John chapter 5. And he, like the blind man in John chapter 9, was not calling out to Jesus. Jesus often responded to people who called out or came to him or touched his garment. These two guys did not. They did, they did none of that. The paralyzed man by the pool of Bethesda, as we'll read in a moment, he didn't do that. Neither of these men were healed because they followed Jesus' pattern, applied the formula. Both of them were healed because Jesus came to them. Thanks, David. See, healing is not following a formula. Healing is encountering a person. On week one of this series, Nick said to us, the kingdom of God comes when Jesus comes. The person who was powerfully present in John Bond's story is the person who journeyed with my friends and with us all the way through that journey with that young person, every step of the way. Michael talked about Jesus coming to us in our storms. Well, the man in our reading today is in the midst of a perfect storm. His situation is hopeless. We find it in John chapter 5, if you have your Bible with you. Uh, uh, if not, you can follow or electronically or however, but it'll be on the screen if not. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate <clears throat> a pool which in Aramaic is called Bethesda and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralysed. One who had been an invalid for 38 years was there. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned he'd been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. Now the day on which this took place was a Sabbath. And so the Jewish leaders said to the man who'd been healed, it's the Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat. But he replied, the man who made me well said to me, pick up your mat and walk. So they asked him, who's this fellow that told you to pick up your mat? The man who was healed had no idea who it was. Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. Later, Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, See, you're well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who had made him well. So because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, the Jewish leaders began to persecute him. In his defense, Jesus said to them, my father is always at his work to this very day, and I too am working. What a miracle. 38 years of paralysis of some sort, wastage, atrophy, <clears throat> healed in a sentence to the extent that this man can carry his bed. You know, it illustrates two aspects of all miracles. God's sovereignty, Jesus comes, but human will, do you want to be well? Jesus told the man to do the impossible. Nick told us on week one, he always does. His call is always to the impossible. Get up, pick up your mat and walk. Remember Nick explained that Peter only did the fishing thing because you asked me to. I'm going to, I'm going to do this. And Jesus immediately slips away. No God's man of the hour with power and healing anointing, none of that. Just vanishes into the crowd. 
Tim Keller says, Jesus' miracles were never magic tricks designed only to impress and coerce. But his, his miracles were to demonstrate God's normal. The miracles of Jesus lead us into what is normal in the kingdom of God. When the kingdom is fully come, that is how it will be for all eternity with him. In his kingdom, eternally, we are whole. My friend's child runs and dances in the kingdom now along with the parent who is in the kingdom with them. In the kingdom, when it fully comes, Auntie Jen is not in an electric wheelchair at the front of our church. She runs and dances and sings and speaks fluently. That is God's normal. That is God's will. And I think the Lord wants us to know what these two men discovered, one sitting by a gate and one sitting by the pool, or lying by the, by the pool, excuse me. He wants us to discover that whether you are seeking him or not, he is seeking you always. He's seeking you. Thanks, David. See, this man doesn't know who Jesus is. He has no idea. I love the fact that in verse 13 it tells us, even after he was healed, he has no idea who's healed him. Who healed you? I don't know. He does still has no idea. And he has no idea what Jesus is offering him. If Jesus is calling you to the impossible because he is this morning, you have no idea what he's offering you. When he said, do you want to be well? This man thought he was offering him a, a lift into the pool. When he said to the Samaritan woman at the well, I can give you water and you'll never thirst again. She thought he was offering indoor plumbing so she wouldn't have to walk out to the well. She had no idea what was really being offered Mim talked about in the great word she gave on provision that her prayers were answered not in the way that she had perhaps hoped and dreamed, but in a way that was so much more. Would Jesus come to me? He's sitting there thinking. He came to the broken and the lost and the rejected no matter what it cost him when he was on earth. The miracle he's done for this man begins a persecution that ends in the cross. On the screen, you can see he stands between the woman caught in adultery and her accusers. And those wonderful words on the screen, the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Feeling lost, you're right in the crosshairs of Jesus' love. He, came to see, he said those words when he was being attacked for dining with Zacchaeus. And that word, seek, is actually the Greek word zeteo, and it means to earnestly seek, continuously search for something you treasure, and keep going until it is accomplished. You see, whether you're looking for him or not, he's looking for you. So if he's searching for you and here this morning by the Holy Spirit with you, why don't we see him? Why aren't we more aware of him? Well, there's, there's reasons. The first one often is our situation. Our situation. We don't see him because of our situation. You consider the hopeless futility of this poor man at Bethesda. The only source of healing he knows. Clearly medicine couldn't help him of the day. The only source he knows is this pool. But at that pool, very few get healed. And he can never get into the water. So every time the water is disturbed, a little bit more of his hope ebbs away. Can you relate to that this morning? I pray, I wait, I trust, 
Where is healing? And a little bit more hope ebbs away each time. Well, we know that when you're in that situation, or I know, it can be a doorway to despair, but it can be the door to transformation. Transformation. Thanks, Dave. Because I love the way the, the Bethesda miracle is portrayed in The Chosen. Well, one aspect of it anyway. At one point, the, the crippled man says to Jesus, I have no one. And Jesus smiles and says, you have me. You have me. This morning, if you feel like you have no one and the hope is going, he says to you, you have me. Richard Raw's work has helped me a lot in our silent retreats. We've got one coming up in August, and I'm looking forward to that. He says, but he's a great contemplative prayer, but he says this, even after many years, for the first several minutes of silent prayer, I find myself thinking the same old thoughts. But each time I encounter my own powerlessness, I realize my dependence on God's almighty power. Every time I realize I'm powerless, I realize I have to lean back into the great power of God. See, our wounds can be our way through. If we move our focus from the wound to the one who was wounded for us. If we really understand we have no power to help ourselves, we're drawn to his power to heal us. We can hear the good shepherd say, I'm the God who calls things that are not as though they were. I call things into being in your life and they will be. I am the God who speaks something out of nothing. I create new. And I believe for some sitting in this room and some watching online, he is saying, give me your failures. I will make life out of them. Just give me your failures. But give them to me. Stop nursing them yourself. Well, the second reason that they, we don't see Jesus often when he's coming is our rules. Our rules. In this parable, we don't just meet the Pharisees. We meet the Jerusalem Pharisees, the creme de la creme. These guys were the recognized spiritual experts. Their whole life was about God and yet they don't know who Jesus is either. God is here and they don't know he, who he is. Now that's extraordinary, but it's not surprising because it's still happening today. Still happens today. See, Pharisees completely miss the love. They completely miss the love. The man says, the man who made me well said, take up your mat. Well, they go straight past the first part of the sentence. And they just say to him, who told you to carry your mat on the Sabbath? Faced with a life transformed after 38 years, transformed in one sentence, they can't see past their rules. If you get into this situation, you'll find you're making endless rules about a God you're not experiencing. Endless rules about a God you aren't experiencing. That sound familiar? See, these people have moved from person to process. They've moved from per and once you move from person to process, 
the rules become supreme. And pretty sure making sure everybody else obeys your rules is right behind it. Making sure everyone else moves through your matrix of what it's supposed to be. It destroys unity. It keeps us from loving. But the great thing about the rules is they leave you squarely in charge. They leave you running the show. In effect, God has often said to me, Graham, stop trying to house train me. Stop trying to give little sets of rules of what I'm allowed to do and not allowed to do. Don't, Don't try to contain me in your comfort zone. Manning says it's surrendering control of our souls to rules rather than risk living in union with Jesus. See, following Jesus means saying goodbye to our comfort zone. If you want to follow Jesus, our mission statement here, then you're going to say goodbye to your comfort zone. Jesus will always call you out of your comfort zone because your comfort zone becomes a tomb. If you've been trying to keep God within the bounds of your definitions, all that's trapped in them is you. Nick in week one said that God had called Gary out of business and commerce into our team, but was calling many others into that field or education or health or parenting. And his call is always scary, but it's transformational. If the Holy Spirit's just quietly nudging your heart saying, You've been running around with a little red flag and a whistle, giving thumbs up, thumbs down to everybody in creation. And the only person trapped is you. I think you'll hear the gentle shepherd say, I'm not in your little shoebox. I'm here waiting to get you out of it too. I'm waiting to set you free. And if the sun sets you free, you will be free indeed. Now, Jesus wasn't here after a one-off demonstration of his power. Stir up the Pharisees, impress the people, nothing like that. No, he finds this man again. The man lost Jesus after he was healed, but Jesus didn't lose the man. I love the verse that says Jesus found him at the temple. Deliberately went and found him, but had some challenging words to give him. Thanks, David. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you that's challenging scholars debate whether this meant his sickness was actually directly caused by sin Uh, not all sick by by no means is sickness always caused directly by a particular sin it can be bad choices can have consequences but I think we can step past that into the heart of this without buying into all of that discussion See, the Greek word used here, harmatane, is only used one other time in the New Testament. It's when Jesus was with the woman who had been caught in adultery and says to her, where are your accusers? And she said, no one accuses me, Lord. He said, neither do I. Go now and leave your life of sin. And this word, actually, the, the best translation of it is, don't wander. Don't wander. And do you know what I think Jesus was saying to this man at its heart? Wholeness came because I found you. Don't leave me. Wholeness comes when you're with me. Don't wander off. Don't wander off. See, healing happens when you continue to encounter Jesus. The symbols on the screen are from Jesus' teaching. And they make this quite clear. He says, 
Take my yoke. So every day of your day-to-day life, walk with me. Keep coming to me. Let's walk life together, not just Sundays. Draw your life from me day by day the way a branch draws its life from the vine, John chapter 15. Jesus' miracles express this perfect harmony of him with his father, walking yoked to his father, his will perfectly reflecting the father's will. I do always only the things that please him. I do nothing on my own. How different would Graham Mabry's life be if the thing that I made always my criterion was this? Does this thing, this object, this occupation, this thing I'm doing, does this decision, if I decide this way, does it make me more aware of his presence and power and peace? Or does it make me less? If it makes me more aware of his presence, that's the way I'll go. Sounds fantastic. But this world just intrusively invades, doesn't it? And especially with social media. It, it doesn't stand at the door and knock. It kicks the door in and freaks your head out. It never leaves you alone. I, my, my mobile phone went for a swim in the Pacific Ocean and died. And on one level, bliss. <laughs> Absol- on another level, there's a lot of nuisance and trouble. But on one level, it was, it was bliss. We have social media. We have media 24 hours a day, seven days a week, telling us that it's doom and disaster and the world is ending. We have a message that relentlessly, relentlessly tells us you are number one. Jesus, when he told the parable of the sower, talked about distractions and a passionate desire for other things. And that that we, we get worried about all the things we have to do and all the things we want to get, and the stress strangles his presence in our lives. See, I can so easily forget that my life, my great good shepherd, is not only Christ the wisdom of God, which he is. Is Christ the power of God? Christ the power of God. 1 Corinthians 1.24. See, a church that fails to see people transformed is a church that is increasingly irrelevant. Church that doesn't see people transformed is increasingly irrelevant. The transformation may be instant, that's wonderful. The transformation may be gradual over time, that's equally wonderful. Following Jesus, permeating society, transforming lives. But there must be transformation and it must be happening in me. I can't take you into transformation if I don't experience it. If I've forgotten that Christ is the power of God, if I've forgotten the power of his name, if I've forgotten who I am in him, I can't take you where I haven't been. Transformation needs to be in each one of us. That is the healing of the kingdom of God. A few days ago, Merle and I were sitting in our chairs with our COVID rugs over our knees, looking very ancient. (laughs) Been a quite a bit, I knew she'd been praying for me as I'd been praying and preparing. And then she looked at me and said, honey, and I want to put this, what she said on the screen because it absolutely nailed me. Thanks, David. There's healing in the knowledge that you are a child of God. 
If you've confessed your sin and accepted him as your Lord, you're his child. Now, she wasn't talking about healing in the mental acceptance of this concept. But she was saying there's healing when that knowledge that I am your child is a lived day-by-day experience. Anxiety can't hang around because you'll rest back into the peace and power of the one who holds you. Knowing you're his child, you rest back into his love and his joy and his health and his peace and his power. See, because I'm his child, I carry his name. When I first contracted COVID, I I really worried whether, not worried, I wondered whether perhaps it wasn't my job to preach this morning. Maybe someone else in the team had been given the message and this was just the Lord's way of saying, sit on the sidelines and pray, mate. And I, I woke up one night very early in the journey and the pain was intense enough to wake me up and its presentation was quite concerning. And as I lay there and reaching out to God, My heart and mind went to today's reading that Jesus touched this man and he was transformed. And then to the verse of the day on one of my Bible websites, which was, God has given him the name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven, on earth and under the earth. And I began to just say his name, Jesus. And as I said it, I began to realize how familiar I'd become with it Jesus Jesus there's a remarkable change in my physical symptoms as I kept saying his name and then through my mind paraded this group of entertainers some of them aggressive atheists who routinely blaspheme his name almost every presentation they make without realizing why on earth they're doing it We don't take the name of the worst tyrants as a curse. We take the name of the one who said, love your enemies and prayed, Father, forgive them. Why would you take that name as a curse? Why would you want to denigrate that name? Because it is the most powerful name there is. Many years ago, a very a young man, probably 18 or 19 years of age, drug addict, homeless. We were working with him with homeless young people. Met Jesus as much as this man at the pool of Bethesda met Jesus. And he came in one morning. He had no Bible background. He had absolutely no church background and a shattered personal background. And said, I had a freaky experience. Tell us about it. And he said, well, I had this, I don't know if it was a dream or a vision, but he said, my addictions and my fears and everything that attacks me in my life was coming at me in the form of this monster. And it was huge. And I was wide awake and absolutely terrified. I was so terrified, I went, oh, Jesus. And as I said that name, this thing stopped. And when I said it again, it took a step back. So I said it again and it looked like it had been punched. And as I kept saying it, it kept shrinking, not in height but in thickness. And in the end, it became like a piece of paper and just kind of went down to the ground. And then this strong wind came and blew it away. That kid had no idea that in the scripture, the Holy Spirit is called the Ruach, the wind of God. But he did know the power of the name of Jesus. Do we?
Really? That's where the healing is. Jesus. In his name. Jesus. So I wrote in my notes the next morning, speak my name. Wynne got in touch and said, I think the Lord wants me to do word in season instead of you. I thought, yeah, well, I can't do it, so that's brilliant. She said, I've got some idea. And when, if you watched and if you haven't watched Word in Season this week, she talked about speak my name. So this morning, to conclude, I want us to speak. I want to invite you to speak his name. Speak his name. I wonder if the worship team would come back. and uh, But maybe we could pray. For a moment. And with me, would you just speak his name? Let's say it together. Jesus. Let's say it one more time. Jesus. I want you to think about his, the title of Jesus that means the most to you. If you open your eyes for a moment, you, you'll see on the screen some prompts. Jesus, the Prince of Peace. Jesus, the King of Kings, Lord of Lords, the way, the truth, the life, your shepherd, the one who said all power and all authority is given to me in heaven and on earth. Whatever you need him to be in a given situation, he is I am that I am. He is that. So let's say his name together again. Jesus. And again. Jesus you carry his name he carries you in the face of whatever is facing you this morning in the face of whatever is facing your loved ones let's speak his name Jesus let's stand church yield to the spirit as we sing his name. Whatever the Holy Spirit wants to do in you this morning, give him permission to do it as we sing his name together. We hope you enjoyed this podcast brought to you from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. Our prayer is that what was said today inspires you and strengthens you in your faith. If you would like to talk to someone about what you've heard today, you can contact the team during office hours on the number you can find on our website at mounties.org.au. Thanks for joining us. We look forward to having your company again soon. God bless.